Hey everybody, welcome to Conspire Theory Podcast. I have with me a special guest, Caleb Darling of the Holy Nerdy Podcast. Why don't you say hello to the kids, Caleb? Hey, what's going on everybody? Yeah, so tell me a bit about your show. Uh, go ahead and, and fill us in about what it is you do, you know, how you kind of got started and what it is sure. that you could tell me. Well, um, Chris uh, is, uh, so okay, uh, we're on Chris's show right now, Conspire Theory, but I've got a co-host or the main host of my show. His name is Chris, and we've been friends since we were little kids. We're talking like six, five years old. We've been just – we had a mutual love for comic books, action figures, and uh, we just kind of gravitated towards each other. And we grew up liking the same things and just constantly just you know hanging out together. So as we got older, uh, right before high school happened, Chris actually moved away to Dallas – and we kept in contact with each other over the years, just like maybe through like a random phone call or me going to visit him for like a couple of weeks out of the summer. And then we got older and we went to college. This was back before the Internet was like a big deal. So when I was in college back in 2004, the Internet was out, but it wasn't like it is today. OK, yeah, yeah. I think I, I had a long term friend who I moved to Amarillo in um in the North Texas Panhandle when I was 18 and I yeah. had my my best friend at the time he lived in San Antonio so every you know every weekend we'd we'd buy up calling cards and that's how we would keep in touch is we'd call each other through the calling cards okay <laughs> yeah so, so that's why uh, Chris has me on the show because we met each other at Amicon in Amarillo to backtrack just a little bit my Chris moved to Dallas we went to college I went to college out in Florida he stayed in Texas and we would have like a random phone call like once every six months. And that's kind of how our relationship ended up being when we were in college. Well, I ended up getting married. I moved back to Texas uh, after I had my first kid. Chris and I started hanging out again like old times because I had a vehicle and I could drive all the way to Dallas. It wasn't a big deal. I moved back to the Amarillo area uh, about about uh, three years ago, and that's when – Chris and I started hanging out again, going into going to like uh, uh, comic cons and stuff together. And then I told him, I was like, "Hey, man, we need to do a podcast together because it's a great way for us to keep connected with each other and 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 uh, you know keep our friendship alive." So I look at the podcast as like an accountability thing for both of us to to keep our friendship going. And it's actually turned into more than that. Uh, the show's called the Holy Nerdy Podcast. The name in itself is funny because people think we're like a religious podcast or something. So. <laughs> I think we actually lose people that don't want to listen because they're like, oh, it's just two, uh, two Christian nerds talking about, you know, how, like, you know, talking about whatever, you know, like, yeah, yeah, oh, but it's probably them, like, talking about, uh, Satanist crap going on in the newest, you know, movie. We don't want to listen to that. Yeah. So, yeah, but if you actually listen to the show, the Holy Nerdy is actually a reference to, you know, the 66 Batman. Exactly. Because Chris and I – that's one of the things that Chris and I gravitated towards early in our friendship was the 1966 Adam West, Burt Ward, Batman, and Robin. We fucking loved that show growing up and because it was on ABC Family like Saturday mornings. So I I constantly – I remember vividly watching it and then it was also on TV Land at night. So at night on Nickelodeon, TV Land would have like I Love Lucy – and the Three Stooges, and you get to watch like Gilligan's Island, the 66 Batman. So we kind of always, in a sense, have gravitated towards that Batman. So when we were coming up with names for the show, I was like, let's just call it Holy Nerdy Podcast. As in like, you know, holy smokes or holy contributing to the thought process of minors. You know, the, all the <laughs> weird 
Robin tropes that he had back in the day. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's pretty clever when you actually listen to the show. It's pretty clever how you guys have that intro going and it's, you know, the, the Burt Ward quotes going on, uh, with the Robin quotes. And that's, yeah. that's a very clever thing. When I first got pinged on you guys and you guys came on my radar, I was like, mm, what's this? Like, cause sometimes I'll subscribe to a podcast just out of courtesy. Right. And, and. Okay. I appreciate rarely ever <laughs> listen to them, you know, but then I actually started listening to your show. It's like, I think you were talking about, uh, it was one of your topics, uh, one of the comic book movies or something. And, and I was like, you know, let me just see what these guys have to say. Sure. And after that, I was hooked. I actually started binging episodes. I very rarely ever do that for, for podcasts. And I really enjoyed the podcast. Well, that's awesome, man. Thank you. I mean, the thing about it is Chris and I, we try our hardest to, to bring what we can, like, uh, there's uh, like okay, there's thousands of podcasts out there, right? So I, you know, and then when you introduced me to yours, I started binging you and Rob's podcast because I'm the exact same way, Chris. Like I work, uh, I, I work a blue collar job. I call it the factory where I work because I don't really want to give out too much information where I work because I don't necessarily want to get in trouble for the stuff that I talk about. <laughs> yeah, online. I, I, don't I mean, want my it's, job to come back and be like, hey, yeah, fuck, you can't be saying this. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I totally understand the, you know, there's the podcast life and then there's your private life and you want to protect exactly. your privacy. So it's like, okay, all I do is just work my hands till they're bloody. And listen to podcasts like all day. So the more I can take in and learn, the better it is. Like I listen to everything under the sun. So I'm so happy to add you guys to just my list of just multiple, multiple, multiple podcasts that I listen to. Chris, on the other hand, he doesn't listen to anything. So I can't <laughs> get him to listen to, I'll be like, Hey, you need to check this out. And he'll never do it. Yeah. So. He, I, to his credit, he is a brilliant sound engineer. Oh um, yeah. He's fucking amazing at it. Like, I, I remember it, listening to one of your past episodes where you were talking about scary ghost stories and uh, yeah. he actually had audio of a basketball dripping of, of a basketball bouncing and it scared yes. the shit out of you because you were telling a scary story about hearing a basketball in the other room <laughs> and it's those little moments that yeah. just that just really get it for me about the show that you guys do yeah what he did okay so first off where i'm recording in my house right now is in my utility room and i typically record the lights off just because i'm weird like that so <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, when he started doing the basketball dribbling, it scared the shit out of me, man. Like, I could not – I thought for sure something was happening behind my back. <laughs> That's the thing. There's this best friend chemistry between you guys that you know exactly how to razz each other and that's that's what it boils down to yeah and and there's enough that even though that your audience is pretty much the third person at the desk you know just listening in and they can totally get in on it yeah it's a fun conversation between two good friends that's that's what i think makes a good podcast so i definitely enjoy the hell out of your guys's podcast well thank you sir uh, in the most recent episode that's going to drop tomorrow, he's, <laughs> he's annoyed with me. <laughs> we do like a New Year's resolution episode and, and we were kind of talking to each other about different things and he was annoyed with me because I kept, I kept screwing everything up. And by the time we recorded, he's, you could hear it in his voice, like how annoyed he is with me. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm very sporadic. I'm, I'm all over the place. Like Chris knows how to like draw me back in. And I, I think. Uh, tonight we're going to have a lot of fun because I think you're going to be able to do the same thing just based on what I've heard from your show. Like it's going to be – honestly, Chris, it's going to be like I'm talking to my Chris tonight. So <laughs> you'll be able to like reel me in. But I think with the way your show goes, you're going to be able to rile me up though too. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't try to go ultra controversial, but depending on who I have with me, I just let them have at it. 
Right. And, and, you know, I don't try to, I don't try to restrict people, but with you, you guys try to keep yourself very disciplined and focused. And here, you know, that really isn't quite the case. Let's talk a little bit about, um, Amarillo because where sure. we first met was, uh, at Amacon up in, uh, Amarillo. Quite, that was quite a few years ago. Uh, that would have been, let's see, Eli is six years old. He would have been around the age of two. So maybe four years ago is when this happened, four or five. Yeah, yeah. I was, I think this was at the first Amicon. I was one of the guest artists there that was pulled in. And this was just a small event run by the local public library at the convention center. And it yeah. exploded. It literally exploded. And I was overwhelmed. They expected like maybe, uh, I think it was, I'm trying to guess they were probably expecting maybe like a hundred, 200 people. And I think like, uh, 2000 showed up. Yeah. <laughs> that area is definitely starving for, for all that stuff. So it, it doesn't surprise me that it doesn't surprise me that they are only expecting so many people to show up, but then who actually showed up came, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's a perfect area to host one of those kinds of events. Cause you're, it's not just yeah, the really Texas is. panhandle. You're, you're in the tri-state area. So you have basically four, four states of nothing and they have, you know, something to go to. It's kind of like in the Corpus Christi area. There's like, there's not a lot going on down there. There's one crappy anime convention and they pretty much have the run of the place because, you know, they have no competition. Right. And, and with, uh, with Amicon, it's only gotten better over the years. And I've wanted to go back so many times because it's like, if you just show up, you know, all you have to do is just show up and you're basically, if you have a table, you have a license to print money. Doesn't no matter what you do. Cause the, the, the people there, the fandoms there, they're hungry. I mean, they're really, really hungry and I could not keep up with it. I was overwhelmed. One of the stories that I like to tell was when I, when I went up there, did a 12 hour shift at my job. And then like I had to get up for a flight at like 4 a.m. So basically I had to get off of work, wait two, three hours until my flight and then fly over there and then get down and, you know, set my table up just hours before it opened. So I had to run like, you know, eight hours off of zero sleep after getting off of a 12 hour shift. It was, you know, the, the people there like energized me so much that I was able to barrel through it. For me, it was a remarkable experience. That's awesome, man. Yeah. That's, that's cool to know about that there because I, when I was younger, talking about like, I've never lived in Amarillo, but I grew up in a small town called Pampa, which is about an hour, uh, north of Amarillo. Amarillo played a key part of my life because that's where the mall is. That's where basically all forms of entertainment was. That's where the movie theater was. Like there was a theater in my little town, but if I wanted to see a movie on like the big screen, not just like some little small screen, I had to go to Amarillo to do that. So growing up, Amarillo played a huge part uh, in my life, and you're absolutely right. There are people – there's a scene, all types of scenes out there. Uh, I was a part of like the punk rock scene when I was younger, and we created the whole like uh, attitude of like punk rock with punk rock shows and bands. Like we created our own bands, and then people followed suit and created their own music, and it, it's just amazing. Uh, I've never seen anything like it, to be honest with you. Like I've, I've got a friend uh, named John. He's going to be on our show. He grew up with me in Pampa. I met John after Chris moved away, but we're going to basically do a whole show on – the idea of what we had in that small little center of America, which was Amarillo and Pampa. It, it's really crazy, to be honest with you, Chris, <laughs> because like out here, when I moved out here, when I say out here, I, I mean, you know, for those listening, I live in basically Orlando, Florida now. 
uh, when I moved out here to Orlando, I met a lot of people in the quote unquote punk scene and they didn't realize how good they had it when they had like major bands roll through like a bad religion or like a no effects or something like that, you know, would just roll through Orlando and play a show. Nobody realized how good they had it out here. It just blew my mind. And what I'm getting at is the scene that I was a part of in Amarillo was better than the scene here in Orlando, but the scene in Orlando had access to all the music and all the bands. They didn't have to like grind it out with just local music. It's, it's kind of crazy when you really put it in perspective. Mm-hmm, that's funny. Yeah. And sure. uh, it's, it's the same thing though with, with Amicon. That feeling that you got from that convention is because it's people grinding it out, actually making something happen as opposed to like a Dallas fan expo. Where nobody can get their shit together and you're waiting for like eight hours in a Stan Lee line for essentially nothing for him just to have someone hold his wrist while he like scribbles his ancient name on your fucking comic book. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Hey, that that ancient wrist is getting a lot of action lately. Oh, really? What's going on? Uh, We'll get into that later. Okay, sure. <laughs> so, so speaking of the, the movie theaters down there, I actually worked at the United Artists, the 14 screen one. Okay. And I remember working there during the episode one when episode one dropped. And that was, uh, you might have ripped my ticket stub <laughs> when I was, when I was a kid. <laughs> I probably did. And I remember all the crazy shit that we would have to go through, like the South Park movie showed up. We had to like, doubled out on our security to make sure that kids weren't sneaking into it. And when Team America, you know, showed up in us and it's like, I fucking love Team America. <laughs> I, I still, I still quote that movie. <laughs> yeah. I had so much, so many fun memories working at that United Artist. It was, it was a, it was a madhouse, but it was one of the funnest jobs I ever had. But working at movie theater has got to be super fun. Is like it? even still to this day. Because when I went and saw Star Wars recently, the, I was talking to the kid who was basically like, uh, he just got to sweep in a theater. And he was like, oh, yeah, I've seen this movie like four times. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Because <laughs> they just like let them watch it whenever they want. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it, it was a good experience for me. I got a question for you about that. What's that? Now, when the South Park movie came out, we're talking about Amarillo, which is basically, it's not really the Bible Belt of America, but I would say that it's part of the Bible Belt of Texas. Well, it's practically people- the belt buckle of the Bible Belt. Well, okay, yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, 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 you're right. Did people come and protest the South Park movie? Like, were no, there protests I, out, out in front of the theater? I never really saw any protests. And even during – the only time I ever saw any kind of a hubbub was during the Star Wars when people were dressed up. I was working in the theater, and I heard that there were a few protests here and there. But Star was, Wars? Well, not just Star Wars, but any kind of controversial film. But I would never see them. You know, we'd see them on the news, but – from inside the theater, I can't see jack shit. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so I really don't see, uh, any, anything going on. It's like, uh, like, oh, there was a protest today. Oh, I had no idea. You know, and I'm just, you know, mopping the floors. It's funny that you say that because I've, that's probably how most protests still go to this day. Like most people don't, don't even realize that there's a protest outside. They're just trying to do their job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I was in, I moved to Amarillo my senior year of high school and I stayed out there. To for a couple years of college and then I and then I moved back to San Antonio. The, I went to Amarillo High School which our mascot was called the Amarillo Sandy and it looked yep. like a big old turd. Yeah, like was, a big old turd with with a eyes. Tornado, but... I know and it looks like a fucking dump. It looks yeah. like a big Why shit. What the fuck would you have your That's always cracked me up. There's a, there's a school here that their uh, mascot's a hurricane mm-hmm. and it's like hurricanes do damage like they really destroy a lot of property like why would you want your mascot to be a hurricane it's the same thing with like a tornado it's like <laughs> 
you might as well have your your school flag have a trailer park with a tornado ripping through it. Like it's no different to me than just having the straight up tornado. Like it yeah, doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that was some crazy shit. And uh yeah, let's go ahead and go into let's get into some nerd shit. Sure. I'm always down for for nerd shit cuz I got questions for you too, man. All right. Let's start with Spider-Man Homecoming. I listened I listened to your show on that and I realized you guys had some kind of issues with that. Uh, could you go yeah. ahead and give us a quick recap? Okay. Well, okay, so you watched it recently, right? Yeah, I watched it recently. Yeah. For the first time or you yeah, just for the first it for time. fun again? For the first time. Okay. So, uh I got a lot of problems with this movie because um I'm going to try to think really hard about my issues that I have with this. First off, he goes to a nerd school yet he is the most nerdiest of the nerds and doesn't have uh friends or something like that like i don't understand like my spider-man went to a normal high school it was bullied and picked on by normal jocks and like normal kids he wasn't picked on by kids in like the chess club or the debate team or band (laughs) kids like i had a big big problem with this and chris and i argued uh not on the show but we argued over text messages i was like dude he goes to a nerd school And Chris is like, he doesn't go to a nerd school. They're just pinpointing out certain cliques that are in the school. I'm like, no, he goes to a nerd school. And by God, if not at the end of the movie, you see the name of the high school that he goes to. And it's St. Peter's School of Technical Arts and Science or some shit. I don't know what the name of the school was, but it's basically an art and science school. And how is Peter Parker the nerdiest person in an art and science school? Like, that's my first issue I have with this movie. Yeah, I gotta agree with you on that point because Flash Thompson. Was... Oh, Flash Thompson's fucking horrible, man. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Flash I'm... Thompson needs to be a fucking ripped quarterback or linebacker or, or someone who's somebody who even still to this day I would be afraid to tell him to like, hey, you're sitting in my seat. You know what I'm saying? Like, I wouldn't want to yeah, yeah. meet Flash Thompson if he's sitting it. Like, take it this way: if I'm at a restaurant and Flash Thompson walked, the Flash Thompson in my mind, and he walked in and he sat behind me at the booth, and I've got my family and he started like causing a scene and cursing and stuff like that i'd have a hard my wife would be like hey why why don't you tell him to shut up i would have a hard time standing up being like hey excuse me (laughs) you need to be quiet because flash thompson is is intimidating even at like 17 years old he could still intimidate like a grown man and this flash Flash thompson Thompson, this movie is just a fucking little he's a fucking weasel he looks like a little weasel yeah i thought the same thing he's like it's like, where's the intimidation factor? He's not an intimidating figure. No. He's just a rich weasel is all he is in this movie. Okay, now now about the Spider-Man mythos. Here's something that had always bothered me with the previous two uh, films. Okay, sure, um, go ahead. Peter Parker beats up Flash Thompson. Okay, uh, in both instances, Uncle Ben berates him. He berates him for, for beating up Flash Thompson. Yet right. in both iterations, no one... No one calls into question how the fuck skinny little Peter Parker beat the shit out of Flash fucking Thompson. I know. No one questions no one that. Ever, no one questions anything that Peter does. <laughs> he's got spider or he's got Superman syndrome where it's all like, hey, uh, there's something bad going on over here. What do you think about that, Peter? And they turn around and he's fucking gone. <laughs> it's like, oh, Peter must have ran away because he's scared. <laughs> Like Lois Lane for Superman, even back in like the Joe Schuster days of Superman, she would always be like, oh, I guess he's afraid. He ran away. <laughs> Clark is scared. Like Peter Parker's scared. He's never around when Spider-Man shows up. Yeah, ex- exactly. And no one questions it. Like how could no this – No one ever pieces it yeah, together. How could this little coward, this little, this little shrimp best Flash Thompson? 
Flash Thompson. Yeah, how can he best Flash Thompson yeah, at and- everything? Even like uh, in the uh, Andrew Garfield movie, he's like playing basketball and like he's dunking on the thing, like breaking the the backboard. It's like where where did this Peter Parker come from? Because like two weeks ago, you know, he wasn't doing shit. <laughs> like, yeah, and the thing is, Flash Thompson, he's the star athlete. He's varsity. You know, yeah, he's he's, he's yeah, the he's big time. He's the the pinnacle of the student body well you know because that's how he gets away with most of his shit by being a fucking star athlete right and yet and you know probably little, beat up everybody in the school including the teachers and principal yeah and yet little nothing peter parker was you know just able to whoop his ass and no one said you know maybe we, we ought to take peter in for drug testing or something you know yeah. how, the, how the fuck could this happen that's something Even that always in, uh, yeah that always bothered me in the well, mythos in the sam raimi one didn't he do some crazy backflip and flash thompson ran into the uh, lockers yeah yeah he basically bit him, beat him up in the in the hallway yeah uh, he hit like and did he hit him so hard he flew across the room and slid across into like the door or something yeah he like slid into the door and then like a teacher dropped the lunch tray on him yes yeah, and, and no one said, you know, how could, I mean, they were all in awe of Peter's sudden acrobatic agility and, and strength. Yeah. But Doing after that, course. he suffered no repercussions. No. Aside from being berated by, uh, disappointed, uh, Uncle Ben. Would you think Uncle Ben would be like, thank God you stuck up for yourself, Peter. It's about time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, with Spider-Man Homecoming, that's just like the tip of the iceberg with this movie with me. Flash Thompson, really was terrible that's supposed to be your agent venom okay agent venom is one of the best he's one of my favorite marvel characters and he's fairly new within the, like the last uh i would say well eight years maybe seven yeah, years yeah he's he's very recent so agent venom is up there now a path of there in the comics they've taken with agent venom is kind of weird mixing him with the guardians of the galaxy and he's like in outer space and stuff like that now but yeah the space night saga i think it's called yeah like when they first introduced flash thompson as agent venom it was a very captivating storyline about a, a u.s soldier who toured iraq who took a uh ied and had his legs he didn't get his legs blown off but he got paralyzed from the waist down from an explosive device in Iraq, and he came back, and he wanted to serve his country, and the U.S. government had the symbiote on hand, and they fucking gave it to him, and it turned him into, like, a super soldier. And because Spider-Man's, like, his hero and everything, he decided to don, like, a spider-type outfit, because the symbiote basically gravitates towards, like, your thoughts, because, you know, it's like a parasite or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that was a cool storyline, They, they and, and, and they made Flash Thompson, like, heroic, but they also made him, like, tragic, and a lot of... If yeah, you, if they, you know me, like the show, yeah. a lot of my favorite characters have tragedy a, a, around them, I, and the villains that that are in their storylines make them really good too. Like that's why I love Spider Man so much because Spider Man is tragic, but Spider Man's villains are just as tragic and just as good. You know, he's got a good supporting cast. Yeah, and, and, and Flash movie, Thompson being a former bully, you know, going into that, you know, it's a sort of like yeah. a redemption arc for him. Yeah, it is redemption. And it's a sad story because it goes from someone who's who's a bully who learned something from his bullying ways and wants to make a difference and is eventually just let down by his, his country because the people in his country think he's a piece of shit for going over there to fight. He comes back to people that don't even care about him anymore. He becomes a drunk and he thinks that his, you know, his country has turned his back on him. His government's turned their back on him. But then he sees another glimpse of hope to become a shining light again because he wants to – I don't know, man. I start crying if I talk too much about it. But. <laughs> Sounds like a good series. Sounds like a good series. <laughs> it's a great, great, great series. And I think it's like 10 comics long. It's it's not real, real long. 
You could buy the trade paperback of it. It's good. Hmm. I'll have to check that out. And coming from like that angle and then seeing that the kid that they have for Flash Thompson, it's like, we're never going to get Agent Venom with this kid. <laughs> not to be, not to sound like racist or anything, but that kid looks like he's going to fight for the other team, not fight for America. <laughs> Yeah, he's going to make a clock or something. And they're like, oh, yes. look at my clock. <laughs> beep, 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 beep. Uh. This is a clock. Is- no, no, that's not a clock. <laughs> the government, you know, the, 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 whoever might think it's a clock, but uh, that's not a clock. I mean, I, I'm not going to fault the actor or anything, but it's just the way that they played up the character. It just, it doesn't work. No. Mm, any other complaints about Spider-Man Homecoming? Cause I yeah. liked, I liked it, but go, go ahead. What do you yeah. got? For me, it was good enough. It was okay. I mean, all the characters, like the the Mary Jane character, they didn't reveal that she was Mary Jane until the very end. And I thought oh. that Mary Jane was going to be the other girl, you know, Liz yeah. or whatever the hell. I thought that you that know, was supposed to be Mary Jane. Yeah. I, 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 but instead I, honestly, they did, Chris, yeah. I fucking hated this movie. <laughs> I, I, had, I stopped watching in the middle of it. I was like, I don't even fucking care anymore. I started doing dishes in the middle of this movie, dude. <laughs> I didn't give a fuck. <laughs> And to me, the the character of Michelle, I kind of felt that she was a different character entirely. And I was okay with that character because she was this, she was the sort of the goth tard in the yeah. group, you know, the the angsty goth tard teenager. And I'm okay with that. I'm cool with that. I like Ned. He was pretty cool. You know who Ned is, right? Yeah, he was supposed to be the hobgoblin. He goes yeah, up to be the hobgoblin. That, that, that's what I'm saying, man. It's like th- these. These directors now, these hotshot directors that they're giving these major franchises over to, I feel like these guys don't give a shit about <laughs> – it's like they read the Wikipedia page and they're like, okay – and they take like a couple cliff notes and they're like, okay, we got to make sure that his name is Peter Parker. Okay, we got to check even debate that. They're like, does it have to be Who gives a fuck? <laughs> you know? And, and like so Ned's supposed to be fucking Hobgoblin. That kid does not look like Hobgoblin. That, that kid – I'd like to see that kid squeeze into the Hobgoblin outfit, but that's – I don't know. It's just bullshit. Like, how can you how can you do this to us? How can you introduce these characters? And we as fans know their storyline, where they're supposed to go, but it's never going to happen. Yeah, it's just as bad as uh, Topher Grace as uh, Eddie Brock. Yes, yes, Eddie Brock. Again, Eddie Brock should be a big buff guy who, for some reason, likes to take pictures and uh, likes to work out. Yeah, like, that's I, all Eddie Brock wants to do. Well, Eddie, Eddie Brock was uh, he was a flawed character to begin with because he's this Olympian. He's like an Olympian in the story. He's an Olympian. Oh yeah. Who's jealous of Peter Parker? Yeah. How the fuck does that make sense? Like, why would a fucking (laughs) Olympian level athlete be jealous of a little nerd Peter Parker? You know that does not make sense. (laughs) It's because deep down inside, Eddie Brock wanted to take good pictures. (laughs) Like he just wanted to be a good photographer. All his freaking muscles got in the way of him holding the camera straight. He, could, he had to choose between protein and taking pictures, and unfortunately, he just took protein all the time. Uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, there were parts of it that I liked. I, I was okay with the teenage stuff, and I was okay that the action and all that stuff I liked. But to me, overall, it felt like a really big episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. That's how I yeah, can best describe it. I don't. I don't watch Agents of Shields, but I, I definitely, I definitely know what you're, you're talking about. Like take the fairy scene, for instance. Okay. Mm-hmm. It, it did feel like a very long episode of something. I, I don't watch Agents of Shields, so I don't really know, but it did not feel like a, it, it just, I don't know. It just, there was something about it that just felt weird on the fairy scene. The trailer made it seem like the vulture gave Peter an ultimatum, either catch me 
or save these people. Yeah, the okay? diabolical choice. Yes, and that did not happen. Yeah. As a matter of fact, the complete opposite happened. Peter Parker, or Spider-Man, is the one who destroyed the fairy and tried to put it back together, but Iron Man showed up with his magical, you know, 100 thrusters for some reason that he keeps for some odd reason put the fairy back together and you know welded it all back together for some reason it was perfectly fine like i I just peter parker oh my god there i don't know like he has he he did a whole bunch of shit with like no consequences it felt like like yeah he got a suit taken away but just at the end of the he still didn't do anything special for me yeah but i gotta admit i loved the vulture he was Phenomenal. Vulture was cool. He was cool. Michael Keaton is cool. He's always cool. I gotta say though, I love this take on the vulture because he's actually a vulture. Cause I'm tired yeah. of, the, the, of the one in the comics where they always make it where he's some old man fighting against time. And I just, I hate that arc that this one, he's just a regular guy trying to provide for his family. And he's like robbing, uh, agents of shield shipments and stuff like that. Yeah. And he's, he's getting he's, by on making super weapons and stuff like that. Yeah, and he's picking a he's picking things apart, which is a really good aspect for the character to have. Yeah, and and he's he's like designed really cool. He's a really cool looking yeah. character. For me, just seeing the vulture in action was enough for me. Okay, good enough. Uh, whatever, not a complete loss for me. But the, a lot of the stuff that you pointed out where they messed up with other characters, other supporting cast, I'm like, eh, yeah, they could have done better. Could have done a lot better. Yeah. Yeah, but then again, this is sort of the PG-13 Marvel universe. And speaking of which, what do you think about Marvel acquiring Fox? Uh, you know, I'm kind of – part of me is excited. Honestly, Chris, I'm so burned out. I think a lot of this – a lot of my hate right now is I'm so burnt out with like comic book movies and nerd movies in general. And when I mean like nerd movies, I mean like Star Wars and – Batman and Justice League and the Marvel Universe, like all that stuff. I'm so burnt out with it. So when I found out that Disney purchased Fox, I was like, well, I don't see that being any kind of like redeeming thing, to be honest with you, because now it's like everything that's coming out this year, as far as like the new mutants, this new X-Men movie that's coming out, it doesn't matter. Like all of it, you could just, they might as well just not even make it because it doesn't even matter. Once this actually goes through and Disney starts making it, they're going to remake an X-Men movie to try to introduce them into their Marvel Universe. And I feel like it's just going to get super convoluted. And if people thought the storyline for X-Men was messed up now, they think it's messed up now, just wait till they try to start integrating the X-Men into this Marvel Universe. It's like, okay, if the X-Men have ex- existed this whole time, because we got Infinity Wars coming out. If the X-Men have been around, so what, so basically like next year, the year after, they're going to start introducing X-Men into the Marvel Universe and try to pretend like they've always been there. <laughs> and then people like me are going to say, well, if they've always been there, where the fuck were they when Thanos was tearing everything apart? <laughs> yeah, the, the only plus side is now the Inhumans aren't going to be the standard mutants anymore. They can actually yeah. have Marvel characters say mutant. Yeah. And I know that one of the complaints was that they're afraid, general populace is afraid that once that we're going to get no more R-rated content from no more Marvel R-rated. And I'm like, well, that's not necessarily true because Marvel does have its R-rated department. Well, Disney, Disney has no problem with R-rated content because yeah, even though the, the Marvel stuff is their flagship and is their PG-13 flagship, they have a place for R-rated content superhero R-rated content, and that's the Netflix shows, The Defenders, Daredevil, Punisher, Daredevil's and shit like that. Daredevil's definitely R-rated. I mean, it's 
TVMA. The only thing Daredevil's missing is like strip club scenes and like titties flopping. It's got everything else in it. So with with that, I know that people are afraid of losing an R-rated Deadpool. But the thing is, the R-rated Deadpool has been so profitable. You know, Disney would be stupid to oh, throw that really away. Stupid. But I can see them compartmentalizing it into something else because they've they've done that before. I mean, Disney hasn't always been squeaky clean. They've released R-rated content, and I think they did it under Buena Vista uh, Entertainment. Yeah. And yep, and they they've you know they know how to handle their R-rated shit. Uh, Disney used to produce, well, not, not through, not through Disney. And it was through, it wasn't through Buena Vista entertainment. It was like another subsidy, but it was like straight, like softcore porn. And if you follow the money trail, it eventually led to Disney. So Disney, yeah, you're right. Disney's like, no, they're, they don't shy away from this kind of stuff. They might just package it differently. Yeah. Know? Yeah. So, so I, I can definitely see R rated Deadpool, you know, doing some stuff. Now, as far as an R rated Logan or R rated Wolverine stuff, I don't know. That's a bit iffy. Wolverine's still extremely popular with the children and people will want to see him alongside Captain America before they oh, see him dude. alongside the Punisher. I think that is to me. I think Wolverine is the best thing that could happen out of this whole like payoff because uh one thing that I even when I went and watched Wolverine Origins back in the day I remember when they were showing Wolverine and Sabretooth like in that montage like running through World War II during the opening credit scene mm-hmm. I remember sitting there thinking come on come on just please show a red glove please just show like please show Wolverine fall down they don't have to call him Captain America they don't have to show his face can you imagine Chris if <laughs> they showed like an explosion and it knocked Wolverine down and a, a blue, a blue forearm with a red glove came down and grabbed him by the arm and said, get up soldier. That would have been fucking mind blowing, man. Like you don't have to call him Captain America. You don't have to show his face. You don't have to show the shield. People like me would have known who that was. <laughs> People like you would have known who that was. It would have been great fan service and yeah. it would have made that movie. Everything else that would have fucking happened in that movie, I would have been like, well, at least we got to see Captain America's arm. That was kind of cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think they wanted to do that with the first X-Men movie was have a Captain America cameo. But, you know, because of the rights again, yeah, because of the rights, at least the right stuff would be, at least that would be taken care of. But at the end of the, but the thing is the bubble has practically burst already. So I think it's a little bit too little too late. Unless they do something like completely new with it. Yeah. And that's kind of what I'm getting at. Like, how do you introduce all these characters into your, your Marvel universe? You know, like, you're right. The bubble has bursted because you've got, you've got Thanos coming down about to rain holy hell down on the whole Marvel MCU. Yeah. And we've been waiting like what, eight years for this? Oh, yeah. Long time. Ever since Nick Fury met with Iron Man in that cafe, it was like, Hey, I'm making the Avengers. Just seeing the Avengers in the first one was like the ultimate payoff. And then yeah. now then they promised us Thanos again. And since the, the original Avengers movie came out, you know, we've been waiting for so long. And I'm afraid it's going to be a bit of a letdown. That's what I'm okay. scared of. Well, when did the Avengers movie? Did it come out eight years ago? Uh, let me check. Uh, I mean, you don't have to check. I I just, if it came out eight years ago, I am super shocked because I that's fucking crazy to me. Because, I mean... That's a long time to be waiting because we did. We saw Thanos sitting on his on his golden throne and floating in space. <laughs> I was gonna say, um, yeah, it came out 2012. Damn. So yeah, almost. Well, six years ago. Yeah, six years ago. But still, that that's a long time. 
That's a long time. Yeah, I, I just look forward to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. being able to refer to superpowered people as mutants instead of inhumans. That's yeah. that's what I take away from it. Ugh. Oh, I know what I was going to say. I know what I was going to say. You're, going back to what you're saying about Disney would be stupid if they didn't continue the rated R uh, Deadpool, you know, route. Yeah. They would also be stupid if they didn't incorporate the fact that now Deadpool knows that he's in a Disney movie. <laughs> that Is that that would be hilarious. Yeah, because like think about it. Like imagine the trailers that they could drop, like a, a red band trailer that they could drop for Deadpool, where he's like singing a whole new world as he's like putting bullets through people's brains and cutting their arms off. <laughs> You know, like, like he could be singing like under the sea as he's drowning somebody in a toilet. You know, like the the possibilities of this are fucking endless if you actually think about it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if they'd want to like do a thing where they release like a, the next Deadpool movie on Netflix exclusively or anything like that. I really don't see them doing that. Deadpool, I mean, that was a flash in the pan. Yeah. If, if Ryan Reynolds hadn't been so adamant about it. That movie wouldn't have ever been made, and the no. studio, they really didn't give a shit about Deadpool. They really did not, because they gave it like a $50 million budget. That's a nothing budget. Yeah, and they, isn't that crazy to say that? That's a nothing yeah, budget. Yeah, that's a fucking nothing budget. <laughs> Just the typical X-Men movie, the shitty X-Men movies with the teens who don't behave like teens who wear all black and stuff. It's like they, $250 million. Yeah, $250 million each, and that's for a mediocre movie. Yeah. And I, I, I'm so glad that Brian Singer is finally getting forced into the closet for his, his action with all those little boys. But it's just, I mean, his, his movies were just, they were just so, they felt like made for TV episodes. They yeah. felt like they didn't feel like blockbusters. But the reason that they were blockbusters is because they were the best thing at the moment. There was nothing else that we had that was of that quality at that time. And Dude, I remember when they, we're playing trailers for the X-Men movie. I was like, Oh my God, it's actually happening. <laughs> We're yeah. going to get an X-Men movie. Yeah. And that was, that was mind blowing at the time. And because before we only had solo superhero movies, there was very, if ever, there was never a, a serious entourage superhero movie. No, no one no. had ever done that before. What's nuts too, man, is like Warner Brothers had the capabilities back in the day to give us a Christopher Reeve, Michael Keaton, Superman and Batman storyline. They just, I don't know why no one had the fucking foresight to be like, yo, we need to put these guys together in a movie. <laughs> like, like they had the, they had it right there in the palm of their hands. I think it was like a little too late on one end, a little too early on the other end because Christopher Reeve, he had, he had been doing that, but he hadn't done the cape in like maybe eight or nine years. Is that how long it yeah. been? Yeah. Since yeah, 89 did. Batman came out. Yeah, cause he was, he started it in 78 and by the time he, Superman 4 came out, it, that pretty much, you know, killed superhero movies for a while because it was such a terrible movie. Yeah, it was. And when, you know, Batman was kind of reviving it. Yeah. And in a sense, it gave birth, it re, it rebirthed superhero movies. But of course, at the time, everyone kept making Batman S type superhero movies. You know, they were all just recreations of Batman, but yeah. it was, it was a good movie at the time. But I think the only thing that really separated itself from the herd was the blade movie, which came out, you know, much later. Like I want to say in the mid nineties or something like that, that was the only like Batman S movie that wasn't fucking uh regurgitation of Batman. Yeah. Yeah, because everyone was making these hero, superhero-esque movies, and the action stars, you know, they were starting to play superheroes now. And I think one action star who hated it 
was fucking Sylvester Stallone. He hated Batman because it killed the action hero. Because now. Yeah, he killed the over the top action hero. Yeah, because now, cause he, he was a guy, you know, he steroided himself up. He, he got his beefy muscles with steroids and Botox and all that stuff. You know, that's the reason he looks like shit today is because his yeah, he body. He looks like a, a lump of melted putty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because that's what's becoming of his body. It's all putty. It's not real muscle. Right. People were like, you know, why do we have to settle for these subpar actors when we can just get a real actor and throw plastic muscles on him and have him play a role? Right. And because of that, killed the action star for a while. But let, you know, let's go ahead and jump. If, if, yeah, let's, let's finish here and let's jump on to Star Wars. Okay. Do, 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 Star Wars. Why are you, why are you doing this to me? <laughs> <laughs> you start off with, uh, with Spider-Man. Yeah. Tell me everything you hate about Spider-Man. <laughs> And, and I don't even go. really get to tell you everything because honestly, I, I just, Chris, I don't remember a lot about the Spider-Man movie. I remember like, okay, I know. We, I can I know shit on it more, Wars, but, but I don't have, but, I can't recall. I, I know you want to talk about Star Wars, but it's like, just to go back with Spider-Man real quick, I don't really remember a whole lot about it. I remember everybody on the internet was freaking out about the Michael Keaton, Tom Holland car scene where he's finding out that he's who Peter Parker is and that oh, scene yeah. was okay. But was I honestly, I, liked it. I missed it because my son was doing something <laughs> and I, he was probably like playing with Legos or something. I started playing with Legos with him and I just totally missed the scene. And I looked up and noticed that they were in that Peter Parker just left the car. So I was like, Oh shit. So I rewound it, rewatched it. I was like, Oh, that's what everybody was freaking out about. Oh, that's all right. It's okay. I guess. And, and then like Peter Parker, Runs out of the high school and for some reason the shocker is waiting for him at the back door. Uh, even though like how did the fucking shocker know that he was going to come out of that exact door to leave the, the school? I don't know. Just, just a bunch of shit that happens in that movie where I'm like, I don't know. This isn't my Spider-Man movie. This, like all the gadgets, all the weird shit. Like you have 750 combinations yeah, of, well, of well, uh, Peter Parker. He's always had his gadgets. Yeah. He's not, always made his own stuff. Like yeah. Tony but Stark, not on the level of Tony Stark. Yeah. And just like them, them making like Tony Stark, like such a figurehead in this movie just really pissed me off too. Like it's not Spider-Man's suit. It's Tony Stark's suit. Spider-Man's just getting to use it. Like I did not like that aspect at all. And why is there a kill mode on the Spider-Man suit to begin with? <laughs> it's like we're engaging kill mode. Like why the hell is that <laughs> even an option to have? Yeah, something you said right there really set me off was the, that's not my Spider-Man. And I'm so tired of this in fandom where people excuse Uh bad movies. They excuse terrible movies on the guise of, well, this isn't our Ghostbusters. This isn't our Star Wars. This isn't my Spider-Man. I mean, if you, if you read Spider-Man and you love Spider-Man, it's your Spider-Man. If you grew up on Ghostbusters and you love Ghostbusters, then you have every right to say, this is my Ghostbusters. And if the Ghostbusters was a shitty movie, then you have a right to call it, say, yeah, this was just a shitty movie. I don't hate Ghostbusters. I just hate this movie because it's shitty. And I'm tired of people using that as an excuse to excuse bad movies. Okay. So you're saying like, like, okay, I get what you're saying. Okay. And I, I just, I'm so tired of that. And I'm so tired of people saying that and saying, well, this isn't my Star Wars. No, shut the fuck up. It is your Star Wars. Yeah. Because seriously, when we were children, who introduced us to Star Wars? Our parents. They would watch it with us. And the, and it was our Star Wars, us and the parents and stuff. And it came out when they were going to the theaters. And then they brought it 
on home video and, and introduced it to us. And then we, in turn, introduced it to our own children. There was this YouTube video of this guy showing it was it was him and his son. And he was recording himself watching Star Wars episode episode four, A New Hope, with his son for the first time. His son had, like, just turned five and... and and he said, you know, oh, when when you turn five, we're going to watch this movie together. We're going to finally watch this movie together. And the son finally turned five, and he's looking forward to it, you know, practically his entire life, which was, you know, a whole five years. And he's looking forward to watching it. And you can see where he's watching the movie with his child. And you can actually see him tear up at parts where his yeah. kid is going, whoa, that is so cool. Whoa. And you can see the father tear up because he's experiencing that with his son. That sort of thing where you can't say he he didn't ever turn to his kid and say, now this is my Star Wars. No, it's like, this is our Star Wars. And I'm tired of that shit. Tired yeah. Of the, yeah, I'm tired of the whole, well, this isn't our, you know, shut the fuck up. Well, like, okay, so like when I say it's not my Spider-Man, like I'm still, because I love Spider-Man, but what I'm seeing on the screen is not anybody's fucking Spider-Man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's not, it, that is not the story, that is not what they... It's just a piece of shit. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like I don't understand why people even like it to begin with. Yeah, the reason that they like it is because they haven't been exposed to the good one. Right. Yeah, to me, the perfect Spider-Man is the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, the first and second Spider-Man movies. That was the pinnacle. Yeah, and or even the 90s cartoon show. Like, watch that, and you'll get a good idea of, like, the Everything that Spider-Man goes through in his life. Yeah, and that's not a so. generational thing. You can't say that like, well, that's that's ours or theirs. No, you know, it's just not, not at all. It's what it I is. Can sit down with my son, which he he loves it. We'll watch it together. Yeah, and and that's the thing that we share. You know, that's the thing that people are forgetting about their fandoms is we're we're dividing into this tribal mentality of us versus them. No, we're all on the same fucking team. Yeah, people are so emotionally invested in the new material. That when it comes out and it's not that good, they get defensive. They get into the, the whole tribal of, well, this is mine and not yours. I'm allowed to like it. You know, it's like, well, yeah, you're, you're allowed to like it if you want, but it isn't that good. From what we've seen previously, it doesn't hold up to the standard. And the thing is, it's not like we're not asking for impossible shit. We just want a good movie and yeah. with the latest star wars i just felt it wasn't a good movie i'm right there with you man there's a lot of things that ha it's it's convoluted it's jumbled up there's too much too many things going on at one time it's not a good movie it's <laughs> a dumpster fire to be honest with you that's yeah. what i believe it is when i saw it when i saw it the first time and i only watched it once because i don't have the i don't uh, have the time yeah. <laughs> or the patience i don't want to watch it again <laughs> But, but when I watched it, I was like, okay, the first five, first 15 minutes were cool. I didn't overthink it. Okay, I get it. This is an homage to the World War II stuff. Okay, that's cool. We get to see Poe Dameron be a badass. Yes, that's what I, what I paid to see. Sure. In between that, then there was two hours of nothing. Two hours of literally nothing. Nothing. And there was Finn, he's going on a mission. He's got to do something. And then we're introduced to Mary Sue too, which is Rose. Yes. And she is the equivalent of the Zelda, hey, listen, fairy. You're, oh, God. Yeah. Yes. That's what right. she is. Listen, listen. That's what she is. I'm pretty sure when they pre-screen this in front of families and stuff, every single time a child would get bored as fuck and say to his parents, Mom, what the fuck is going on? She would say to Finn, but she was really saying to the audience, we're on a mission. Yeah. We're on a secret mission. This is what we're doing. That was her job. Her job was just 
to remind the audience what the fuck they were supposed to care about instead of letting the the events unfold to find the code breaker and the I don't know about you but but the whole subplot of the oh they can track us through hyperspace and I'm like so what yeah. I mean there was so Who much shit? there's so much hyperspace traffic how can they track them specifically I don't know about you but in sci-fi most sci-fi logic if there's a tracker there's also a tracking beacon. So I'm thinking, that's what okay. I'm thinking. It's like, okay, so where on their ship is the tracking beacon? There has right, to be so they some... need to shut that down. That would have been yeah. a way better story. <laughs> yeah, so they have to find the tracking beacon. Dude, you're actually, you're actually pointing something out that is blowing my mind right now because, okay, there was a moment in the film where I thought that um, Hodor, yeah, whatever her fucking That's what was. I thought she was. I thought she was the beacon. I thought she was the beacon. You're absolutely right. I thought she was a bad guy. I thought... I thought for a for a slight second because again we know that they're on the casino planet trying to find the code breaker so we know that's going on but for a slight second I thought she was a bad guy I thought she was basically working for the fucking empire or the first order and was going to basically try to take out the rebels from inside their own ship you know what I'm saying Yeah yeah so it's funny that you point that out because they could have gone that route they could have had spies or traitors amongst them that already planted a beacon or a homing device on their ship to track them through outer space. Yeah, because that's how sci-fi logic works is in yeah. order to track stuff, you have to have something to track. And if it's something where it just tracks the unique signature of their ship, well, how many uh, ships of theirs are out there, you know, type of thing. You know, it's it's – I don't know. It's too convoluted to overthink it, but it's just the, – the route well, that they were going didn't make sense to me. Yeah, it, it didn't. It, and to point something else out, they even say in the movie that it's they're only tracking the one ship, and they they only care about the one. So essentially, what you're telling me is, since they're only tracking one ship, you could put everybody else on a different ship and send that one way the fuck out of out in the middle of nowhere, put an autopilot on it or something, and then just get away. Yeah, well, that that's what they were gonna do. But they, kind of, but for but some they reason, they, they the, didn't you know, they, tell, they, <laughs> they didn't tell Poe Dameron that. And the stupid, thing, why would you not tell one of your main guys what your plan is? The thing is, in the previous movie, he was trusted with the greatest secret of all, which was the location of Luke Skywalker. Okay. He no, has level majestic clearance, whatever the fuck they have. He has, he is need to know. Yeah. And they're not telling him because. Uh, woman power or some bullshit like that because they're afraid he'll get his toxic masculinity all over their plans or some shit. Yeah, or he'll be mansplaining or whatever the fuck. Yeah, I, I mean, it's like it, all the commanding officers are all women and they're like, yeah, we're not going to tell you. Huh. Why? He, if anyone should know, he should know. He's a commanding officer. He needs to know. But they're not telling him. In a sense, he had to come up with some convoluted plan to save their ass in the end. And it turns out that they were going to go along with whatever plan he had all along or some bullshit. I don't know. I kind of stopped paying attention because I oh, didn't have yeah. Rose there to tell me that I was supposed to care. <laughs> And another reason I fucking hate Rose is, oh, I fucking hate Rose. You know, not because she's Asian or anything, which everyone's like, oh, you don't hate her because she's Asian. It's like, no, I hate her because she's a poorly written character. So bad. She could have been awesome. She could have been really, really good. That whole, it's it would be hard to make the casino scene good, but. I I got a conspiracy theory about that. Go Uh, ahead. Disney is going to make a Star Wars resort. And (laughs) what better way to sell your resort than to have a casino featured in the film. Because what else do you have in resorts? You have slot exactly. machines and shit like that. Yep. And that 
that stuff, it's not Star Wars. As you guys said in, in your podcast, that's not Star Wars. That feels like Earth. That feels like an, an Earth thing that yeah. doesn't match up with the Star Wars uh, continuum. That, that was my problem with this movie. There's a lot of like our Earth type feels going on, like Poe Dameron making like a your mama joke and yeah. them being stuck on like the casino planet. Like that stuff that happens on our planet, that's not something that I've seen happen in the Star Wars universe, not – you know, not in a galaxy far, far away or a long time ago. A long time ago, it doesn't seem like they would have been making your mama jokes. You, that's like making a uh, – because Star Wars to me has always been a space opera. I mean, that's what people call it. But it's been more to me – when I read a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, I think, okay, this is basically King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table but in space. So – can you imagine if, like, King Arthur sent Lancelot to, like, another kingdom with a message, and the message was, you know, I had sex with your mom. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, within the context of the universe, it, it just, it doesn't fit. No. Yeah. It, well, it, I was going to say, like, the, the whole going back to the women empowering thing, like, they were wanting to empower women so much that Admiral Akbar just got fucking blown away like he was a nobody. <laughs> I didn't even realize he was dead until he was, like, not on screen anymore. I was like, where'd Akbar go? Then I was like, oh, shit, he blew up. <laughs> it's a torpedo. Yeah. <laughs> they made a big deal about showing all these female pilots and all these female this and all this female that. And all the women spent most of their time getting their asses exploded in space. Yeah. And like, yeah. What is the point of that? Who does that empower? That they're going to go out there and, and, and I, I just kept expecting one of them as they're exploding to say, I only make 70 cents on the dollar. <laughs> the gender wage gap is real. Boom. They blow up. <laughs> yeah. That's what killed them. Not the torpedoes, the, the wage gap. Yeah. I hated that Poe, one of the coolest characters, he is Han Solo 2.0. That's what he's supposed to be. He's Han Solo 2.0. He is supposed to be doing cool shit. Instead, he's spending the entire time sitting on his ass for the first two hours of the movie. And I'm like, uh, it's, I just, I just felt the character wasted. And the same A lot thing. Of characters yeah. Wasted. And the same thing with Finn. And I love Finn. I Finn's didn't my, like him at one first. One of my favorite characters yeah. from the new, like, lineup, if you yeah. will. I didn't like him at first because he came off as a bit too Jar Jar Binks for me. I thought, okay, he's the new Jar Jar Binks. And then I watched the movie again. And I was like, okay, he's, he's an early Luke. That's what he's supposed to, he's like an early Luke and er, he's that innocent, fawn eyed, starry eyed guy who has all this hope. And he's supposed to be us in the universe of Star yeah. Wars. And yeah. Ray is supposed to be, you know, the new Jedi master, the new Jedi order or whatever the fuck it is. Well, she's pretty much a Mary Sue. So she's the new invincible. Oh, People hate it when you call her Mary Sue. Yeah, I know. But that's... she is a Mary Sue. <laughs> well, she's, she's entirely flawless. I mean, they try to interject drama into her with who her parents were, but making her care about that so much, but then they like threw that out the window, like, oh, your parents are junkies, dur, dur, dur. Yeah. And then. Which and... people online are speculating that that is just Kylo Ren trying to convince her to go. But to be honest with you, the way these movies are going, I, I do not believe that. And Chris, I'm going to tell you right now, I'll never, I mean, I'll find out because the spoilers on the internet, but I'm not going to go watch the next movie in the theater. I'm just not going to do it. <laughs> Unless my son, which well, it'll be two years from now. Depends on the toys they're selling. If they're selling really cool toys, maybe, yeah. I'll, maybe I'll catch a matinee. He'll be eight, and he'll be a lot more logical than he is now. And he'll probably be like, 
can we please go see the new Star Wars movie? Because they'll fucking make the trailers and they'll cater it to him. And I'll be like, yeah, we'll go see it. But I'm not going to see it opening night. I'll see it like at a matinee on a Saturday or something. Yeah, yeah, that's probably what I'll do then. You know, and another reason I hated Rose, I, I don't know if I got to the real reason I hated Rose, is because she stands between my Poe and Finn romance fanfic fantasy. <laughs> no, 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 seriously, seriously, seriously. I figured Finn and Poe need to end up together because they have the most chemistry. This idea that Finn and, and um, what's her name, the Mary Sue, that they're supposed to end up together. I was like, I never bought that shit for a second. Yeah, I, I don't know where they're going with that. Yeah. Like that whole like intimate hug that they had there. She at the friend end zoned the last... his ass. Yeah. And and the only one who looks at him with, with any kind of like, hey, man, you're the man. We're bros. Is Poe. Poe's the only one that gives a fuck about him. Yeah. So if those two guys were to end up, you know, gay together, I'd be totally cool with that. I would be fine with it too. I don't have a problem with that. I don't think that's it them makes trying to force sense. any kind of shit onto yeah, us or anything you, like that. Like, only, if, it'd be better than them trying to force all this fucking uh, fake ass women power shit on us. And like, instead we get this, this Rose character who is just, yeah. you know, she throws herself at him and we're just getting <laughs> into still, this. No, like she that. literally <laughs> throws herself at him with a fucking jet blaster thing when he's about to make his Valiant sacrifice. His valiant sacrifice, which is so important to him, even Poe, even Poe, his bro, his ultimate bro, Poe, is like, you go for it, dude. I got your back. Yeah. And then he shoots off. He's going to make his sacrifice. He's going to save the day. And what happens? Uh, the ultimate unwanted, unsolicited sexual advance in history. Yeah, Poe, right. <laughs> I mean, <Jesus>. Rose <laughs> smashes into him and then she throws herself at him, you know, giving him an unsolicited kiss. If these situations were turned and he did that to her she would accuse him of rape and this yeah, whole exactly. me too movement he would be a rapist if the situation was turned but no but men can't be raped so so she basically forces herself on him and because he's written as he's supposed to take it he takes it because oh that's the story uh, i yeah. cannot stand that well, it's, a lot of the shit that happened with finn and rose like it it just, it makes no sense yeah no fucking sense whatsoever it's not believable it's, no they it's don't not. have chemistry and, and, and to go back at the casino, that was all just terrible. It was just fucking terrible. It was some kind of social, economic. She threw in that line where she's like, we're going to go to this planet. And Finn's like, what's wrong with this planet? She's like, it's filled with the worst type of people. And he's like, oh, thieves and murderers. She's like, no, worse than that. Rich people. <laughs> like, we're going to go to planet stupid, 1%. Man. What's that? We're going to go to planet 1%. Yeah, exactly. And of course, Everybody there is super rich, and of course they have children slaves, and of course you know they're treating animals wrong, and it's like what did you call it so the the Kokobo Ranch? Yeah, the, the Chocobo Ranch. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I just I was trying to think like what the what the fuck are these things? And you guys talk the Chocobo Ranch like that makes perfect sense. Yeah. These things are fucking Chocobos. Yeah. Okay. Oh man, I'm so this movie pissed me off so much. <laughs> Let it out. <laughs> I mean, I'm like drinking coffee right now, and I'm like, I don't know, like it's just so it pisses me off so bad because I wanted this movie to be good. I wanted this movie to answer the questions that I need. Chris, we're not even scratching the fucking surface of this movie yet. Like we're gonna be talking. This gonna be your longest show you've ever had. <laughs> 
All right. So they're on this planet. They're supposed to find the Codebreaker. Uh-huh. Get put in jail, blah, blah, blah. They break out of jail. And then they decide to free these Chocobos. For some odd reason. Yeah, like in the middle of them, the like right they're, they're on this pressing mission. They have, they are running out of gas. They have to find the codebreaker so they can stop the empire from tracking them. But for some reason in the middle of all this, Rose decides that they need to free these chocobos. Now we just got introduced to little kids who are slaves, right? Yeah. And you want to free the chocobos, but not free the kids. Like I thought that. They were going to show all the kids in the spaceship with them, but they didn't. They actually showed the kids still on the planet getting whipped by the giant, you know, uh, alien with like four arms, the Goro. The hmm. Goro was still like whipping the kids into shape <laughs> while they, I you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I, I didn't notice that, but now that you pointed that out, that makes absolute perfect sense. Cause that, that like, is how, uh, PETA terrorists think, you know. That, that, that that is Peter Terrace type shit. Like, let's save all these animals. Yeah, fuck, fuck you, all people. These kids over here in slavery. Fuck these kids. I mean, yeah. that, that's a perfect allegory for human trafficking, and they just ignored it because. Yeah. Oh, uh, let's let's save the the chocobos. Yeah, because those kids are definitely not. Their parents aren't upstairs gambling, and they're just like down there cleaning a shit pile. Yeah, they don't have family, parents. Like, while their mom and dad are gambling their fucking guts out. Yeah, like their parents those probably overdose. Ch- child slaves. It's filled with so much fucking propaganda that they don't even realize. Oh my god, it's so frustrating. This is what frustrates me with a lot of movies these days: <laughs> is they want to force all this shit into in, into your, our faces and into our minds, but they still drop the ball on like obvious stuff. Yeah, it's like there's a better like, way that they could have executed it, but they didn't. Yeah, like if they would have freed the chocobos and the kids, I'd have been like, okay, that makes sense. They're freeing the whole gamut. They're 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 disrupting the whole thing. But when you still have children slaves. They can go round up those fucking animals again. As a matter of fact, those kids are probably out in the woods right now rounding up those fucking chocobos right now. You know what I mean? Like that one kid's using his force powers to round up the fucking chocobos. I didn't realize that the child had force powers. I I must have missed that. You didn't know that at the end? It must have slipped my mind or something because I just know that I must have blinked because when he grabbed his broom with the force powers, I just saw him mess with the ring. That's all I was focusing on was him fucking with the ring and then, you know, the looking up into the sun. Box yeah. ring that every, uh, apparently they hand out to every rebel when you sign up. Yeah, the, <laughs> uh, the secret decoder ring. Yeah. And like I saw I'm him a, holding, I saw him holding the, the hilt of the broom like it was a sword or something. Yeah, you have these kids that are playing with like action figures and they're talking about Luke Skywalker. And then the Goro comes in and like starts whipping the kids, telling them to get back to work, which really pissed me off because i'm like why did they save these fucking kids but anyways so the kids they all grab their brooms and start sweeping everything well the one kid like walks off to go sweep outside and as he's walking down the steps the little steps outside of his like room that he's in he reaches his hand out and the broom just comes into his hands it's so fast you would have missed it if you were like took a drink of your soda or you sneezed or you even if you blinked you i was probably rolling it. my eyes you probably were because i'm surprised i made it this far <laughs> and he's like sees like the shooting star or maybe it was a ship i don't know he saw something flying through the air maybe there was a millennium falcon flying by he is standing there holding the broomstick like he's a jedi and then that's when the movie ends and it's all, all the only thing i learned from it is ryan johnson's basically saying my contract i signed with disney is about this kid <laughs> because he signed a three movie contract with disney after episode nine comes out he's gonna do 10 11 and 12 and i think oh, it's God. gonna be 
this fucking little kid that we see, you know, sweeping the, the Chocobo stables. I think it's going to be his rise to becoming the next Luke Skywalker and Rey is going to be his Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh. And to like go back, like Finn being wasted and stuff, and The Force Awakens, they kind of, there's a lot of stuff that leaves a lot of open-ended things that need to be answered that never get answered in The Last Jedi. For one, is Finn Force-sensitive? Because there was speculation that he was also Force-sensitive because he's wielding a lightsaber and he's got this weird connection with Rey and all this kind of stuff. And Mm. that is never hinted at one time in The Last Jedi. That was just, he's really good at melee combat. I think that's all that is. Yeah. I don't think he's force sensitive. I, I don't think he is either. Yeah. I think everyone, on... everyone wanted him to be because they I saw did. him with I, the lightsaber. Honestly, I wanted, I wanted two Jedi, two yeah. new Jedis to come out of this because I know people don't like the idea of metachlorians and all that stuff, but it is canon. So, you know, it exists. So I just figured that maybe Ray had a higher metachlorian count than Finn did. He's still trying to search deep inside for his midichlorians. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, the way that the, that the trailers were edited with the first one, it made it look as though, it made it look as though Finn was the Jedi. Yes. And he had the lightsaber. And I would have been totally cool with that, but that's not what it turned out to be. He's just really good at melee combat. And the yeah. only reason that he had that lightsaber was because, uh, what was that name? Uh, Ness Kanaber? Uh, Maz Kanata. Which Maz is Kanata. Stupid character. Yeah, because she put it in his hands and said, go fight. Now, yeah. I, I got to admit, part where they were talking to her and she was in the middle of a battle you know that that was just a little bar fight that she was in she wasn't in some great war she was in a bar fight is that what see i didn't yeah understand. That, that's what because i was paying attention to that because she's just she's, she's rocketing around and shit but she's like in the middle of a fucking bar fight but because she's so tiny it looks like she's in some kind of major war but yeah she's like ducking behind tables and shit i'm like i'm like yeah this chick if we see this from her end it's gonna turn out she's just in a fucking bar fight <laughs> yeah I, I, don't, I didn't really understand all that and, and one thing that i didn't get either is like well han solo is the one who introduced you to maz Kanata. why is poe dameron talking to her like he's known her for a long time it's almost like ryan johnson got confused on who had the relationship with maz Kanata because <laughs> because poe dameron is such like a han solo copy or a ripoff yeah they, they like, never met yeah they've never met each other it's, it, he was just like talking to her like, like like he's known her forever or something i don't know maybe he goes to that bar too i don't know i don't know it's weird yeah Speaking of political allegory that you were lo- yeah. alluding to, um, that scene in the throne room where Ray and, and the other guy, what's his name? Fucking Kylo. Kylo. Kilo. <laughs> when, when Ray and Kilo confront Snow, that was an allegory. I could tell that was a fucking allegory for the election. And Kilo is supposed to be Trump. Okay. And then what he does is with his lightsaber, he cuts Snope in half and Snope represents the old Republicans establishment because that's what they say Trump did was he, he divided the Republican base in half. So of course okay. he cut Snope in half because he, he kills him and like represents the, and I'm like, Oh God, that is fucking election allegory. Like, Oh, good, good God. <laughs> see, now, I didn't, in I that, didn't get in, that, but I do see where you're coming from. <laughs> that's just a, that's just a little thing that I saw that like, is that what they're trying to do? Probably not, but it just, oh God, okay. To be honest with you, the way everything else was happening in it, I would not be surprised if that's them being like, this is our little, you know, our little stab at everything. Because for some reason, when people watch these type of movies and you see like an empire or some kind of tyrant, they automatically think of like Republicans. But if you look at history and the real dictators and the real tyrants are straight up like come from socialist countries with like leftist ideas. Like 
take all your guns away. Like, what do you think the fucking Empire's doing? You think the Empire wants people to have guns? Fuck no, the Empire doesn't want you to have your guns. They want to take your fucking guns away. <laughs> no, they want you to have guns, but just their guns. Yeah. And if you have their guns, then that means you're their troops. Exactly. Oh, that pissed me off so bad, Chris, in the movie where it's all like, oh, you see this rich guy? He's selling all these TIE fighters to the Empire. Oh, look, he's also selling X-Wings to the Rebellion. It's like, that is the stupidest shit I've ever heard. Yeah, so I not only are they saying the rich people take advantage of everybody, but and they also profit off war, which in reality is a true statement. That is definitely happening in America today or in the world today. That's definitely happening. But you mean to tell me that the Empire is buying TIE fighters off some fucking dumbass in a casino planet? Like, that makes no fucking sense. So let me guess. The Empire bought the fucking Death Star from a guy who had it in a fucking shed on some random planet? Like, he had a Death Star just hanging out? <laughs> yeah, I remember you guys talking so about the- with that. Let's have the Death Star prototype under a gigantic tarp. It's like the size yeah. of a fucking moon. He's, he's like, like, hey, yeah, let me move the tarp. <laughs> and then he pulls the tarp off, and it takes like uh, like three hours for the tarp to completely fall <laughs> off of it. It's okay. The tarp's still falling off. And the Emperor's like, you have two of these. He's <laughs> like, oh, I only have one. We're still working on the other one. <laughs> I'll take well, two. I'll, I'll go ahead and take both of them. Yeah, I mean, of of course they're, they're going to be buying weapons from someone. These weapons are going to be manufactured someplace. They have to have plans for them, you know, and, and they got to oh, buy but and sell Rogue them. Rogue One already covered that for us. Rogue One straight up showed us that the Empire kidnaps and, and tortures scientists and engineers to make their shit for them so they don't have to buy it from other, you know, sources. That's what I got from Rogue One hmm. when they made uh, – what's his face? Uh, Urso, you know, Jen Urso's dad. When they basically kidnapped him from his family and forced him to create the Death Star, that's where we got fail, you know, the the exhaust port where you could blow the Death Star up because he basically put that in the plans. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, so but the whole thing. In my mind, the, like, the Empire was yeah. such a tyrant that they were able to kidnap and take, just like they said in in the Force Awakens, they take kids at a young age from all over the fucking place and turn them into stormtroopers. Now, what I wish they would have done is show more stormtroopers without helmets. And we would see more like Redonians and I can't name a shitload of Star Wars species, but it would be kind of cool if stormtroopers weren't just all humans underneath that. They were like different types of races and different types of alien species like all over the place because a lot of speculation is that they are clone troopers. Well, with Finn being a, a stormtrooper, that's not the case. They're not clone troopers anymore. Maybe yeah. back in the day they were, but I think they you know, the stopped clone being program clone, ran out. Yeah, the, they – they were clone troopers up to a point, up until yeah. Palpatine seized power. Then at that point, he stopped the cloning program because yeah. he didn't need this disposable army. And that's what they were. They were disposable army. Like, well, I'm in power now, so I guess we'll just use regular people. I, I don't know. That's just my personal opinion. That doesn't necessarily you know, ruin the movie for me or anything like that. But I just like would like to see more of that type of stuff in a Star Wars movie. Like To me, like these new movies have a ton of human characters in it and not enough alien-type characters. Like I remember uh, the cantina scene was filled with alien-type creatures, New Hope. And I just don't feel like in like Jabba's Palace, Jabba's Palace is filled with like all types of weird creatures. And I just don't feel like we're getting that from these new Star Wars movies either. Like even Maz Kanata's Pirate Planet or whatever that was didn't have that feeling to me at all. Uh -oh. hmm. With my thought on this, it's, it's sort of like the alien species. It's like 
it's like they live on the planets and shit, but they're not involved in the fighting. It seems like the only people who are actually doing any kind of fighting are human people. Humans. <laughs> the humans are beating the shit out of each other. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's it. And, and the aliens are like, oh, that's Empire stuff. That's not us. <laughs> yeah. Let them kill each other. I don't know. I mean, I love alien diversity, and I love seeing female Twilights doing stuff other than stripping. That would be totally cool. I'd be right. cool with that. And I think because even it, there's a, like a I, I keep seeing it in the fan fiction, in the fan art, that there's supposed to be like a Twilight Sith Lord. That I would love to see. Yeah, that would be really cool. Uh, I mean, you see it in the Clone Wars TV show. A lot of like alien creatures, you know, help fight in the wars and all that kind of stuff. When the clone troopers team up with like other factions of like other planets to fight the separatist movement you see a lot of clone troopers right next to a species of of whatever fighting the separatist movement but i just kind of miss all that stuff with these new movies but uh the, this movie just i did not like it at all and they threw away so many things that i thought were going to be like key moments for this yeah. uh, for this series like yeah, raised yeah. parents yeah i uh, wanted to see more luke skywalker luke skywalker was a bust like, <laughs> I checked out. I was 15 minutes in, and I was like, uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll give it another 15 minutes. When Luke tosses the lightsaber over his shoulder, I fucking checked out. I was <laughs> like, you know what? <laughs> this is this is not this is not going to end well. I do not like this. I remember even the movie theater, like, everyone started laughing. And I was like, this isn't fucking funny. <laughs> like, this is not – why the fuck is he doing this? Because remember, Chris – and the Force Awakens, you said it. The whole fucking plotline of that movie is trying to get the coordinates of Luke to Leia. Yeah, he was the center of the previous He's film. He's the center of the fucking movie. And then for him, like, they find the coordinates, they, they loot, they, everyone dies, and all this shit happens. Han Solo dies, and they get the coordinates, and they, and they figure it out, and R2-D2 wakes up, which was weird. I don't know why he was, you know, fucking asleep. Yeah, he but, was, he was going through, uh, like, ten years of Windows yeah. updates. <laughs> They figure it out where Luke is, and then when they finally get to him, he doesn't give a fuck about coming to help. <laughs> and I just thought that was really, really bizarre. Yeah, it just It was it his make fucking sense. idea. Yeah. He's like, if you need me, here's my coordinates. I'm going to split them up in these different documents. That way the, the First Order doesn't find out my location. Yeah, and the whole, you know, drama between him and, uh, and uh, what was it, Kilo? Yeah. That was... I mean, the part where he was like all where it was from, from Kylo's perspective. I like that. Yeah. Because he looked all wicked evil, like, I'm going to kill this child. Oh yeah. yeah. I like, I love that part where he had like, you know, freaking black and death in his eyes and is like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I want. You know, it was just a, he said, she said, and there was this, it, it felt that part felt like, like I was watching a Telemundo drama, like a soap <laughs> opera. Yeah, it definitely felt very soap opera-ish. And the, it, it just didn't, it, it didn't sell me. It didn't sell me either because I instantly in my mind, I was thinking like when he, when Kylo was telling Ray, this is what happened. This is my story. Ray should have still had red flags in her mind. She's like, she should have still asked him if he tried to kill you and all you did was run away. What caused you to murder all the students in the temple and burn the fucking temple to the ground? Why did they have to die? Because Luke tried to kill you. Shouldn't you have, like, just ran away? Maybe taken some of them with you and just ran away? Instead, you decided to just commit murder and just kill everyone? That should have been some major red flags. Yeah. That was the first thing I noticed. You know, like, what, well, you know what I thought was going to happen? And I was thinking this would be too cool, but it didn't happen because I remembered, oh, wait, this movie sucks. 
Yeah. Um, what I wanted to happen so bad was when, when Snow Pad Ray and he said, ah, arise, my apprentice, take your place by my side. And then I wanted to see him, you know, toss the lightsaber to Ray. And then Ray says, yes, my master. And she turns evil. And then she decides, you know, I'm it's like, I've been looking for a father figure all my life. And everyone keeps telling me to go fuck myself. But you're willing to be my father figure, Snope. So I'm going to follow you. And I'm going to kill Kylo to show you that, that I mean business. And I wanted Ray to turn bad. And I wanted Kylo yeah. to be good. because That would have been, been cool. Yeah, that's what I would have liked to have seen. I would have liked to have seen, you know, at the moment when he when he came up with the diabolical choice, when Snope is all, you know, make your choice, my apprentice. I wanted to see Ray rise up as the apprentice. And, you know, sort of be the, the bait and switch. Like, all this time, she was the bad guy. But then I remember, oh, wait, this is Disney. This is yep. uh, part of the female empowerment. She will never be bad. She will never get hurt. She nope. will never, she will be a flawless, spotless Mary Sue character. Oh, yeah. Nothing bad will ever happen to her. She will never have a bad thought. Anything that happens, and that's another thing. Throughout this entire, all the good characters, None of them willfully killed anybody. I'm not talking about blowing them up in spaceships and shit like that. Nobody pulled the trigger. Kylo was about to shoot out his mom's cockpit. He didn't pull the trigger. Someone else did. It was not someone on his team, but he directly did not do anything. And as far as we know... before that, though, he had no problem flying into the ship and blowing everything to hell, like... How did he know Leia was not, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, scrubbing the deck <laughs> of the X-Wings when he fucking fired all those missiles in there? <laughs> that That's not a princess's duty. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, generals don't do that. And another thing, and when, when Finn fought Phasma and she fell, he didn't kill her. She fell. She, yeah, she, yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, she fell down and then the ground crumbled out from underneath her. Yeah, he, so he didn't have to have Nobody had any death on their conscience. Um, it, and it just, that just drove me up the wall. And I just saw this over and over again. And, you know, same thing with Ray. Yeah, they killed all those people in there. They killed the Red Guard or whatever it was. None of them had to look anyone in the eye that they killed. Yeah, sure. And because of that, I don't know. It's just, they, they never have anyone's death on their hands. And I guess that's sort of the, the squeaky clean PG-13 coming through it just didn't set well with me because no one has any no one has the weight of of actually taking someone else out on their soul i mean because as far as remember the scene where um where han offed himself because we don't know that that kylo actually pushed the button and shot him through the chest i still think that han solo did it himself to to spare his son i don't know i never thought of it like that I think he did it himself to spare his son the guilt of killing him because he, he knows enough about, because for some reason in the, in the Force Awakens, somehow Han Solo is somehow now this Force expert who knows everything about the Jedi. Oh, God. Even though in the previous films, he was like, it's a bunch of mumbo jumbo bullshit. Fuck this. Yeah. But now he's like, it's all true. And I know extensively about this because me and Luke hanged out for like a minute. We shared a beer. I don't know. That, that part the force awakens in the trailer i thought was awesome seeing a han solo who went from or who started off as a person who thought the force was like hocus pocus to seeing him in the trailer saying no it's real all of it i've seen it firsthand 
it led me to believe that Han Solo was going to be a different character than what they showed him in that movie. Because what he ended up being in The Force Awakens is like a deadbeat dad who ran away from his responsibilities to like tour the galaxy with his friend. Well, he started out a space trucker and he stayed a space trucker. Yeah. Like Um, he never actually like went past being a space trucker and I was kind of bummed about I thought we were going to meet like a Han Solo that was retired high ranking or something you know like an actual like general or something yeah or fucking retired you know it's just or retired yeah yeah it's not a fucking space trucker yeah not a deadbeat dad who's had a divorce and smokes too many cigarettes like who's trying to be cool again i don't know it's just kind of stupid yeah and and fucking and leia i mean i i believe leia she she's a princess a former princess you know she's got nowhere to go but the war she has nothing but the war and she's married to the war so I I could totally see her being a general and staying a general. And that I was cool with. The whole, you know, Luke turning into a hermit uh, didn't quite sit well with me. And the whole Han Solo, you know, I'm just going to stay space trucking, you know, because that's all I know. And I was like, oh, God, come on. Yeah, no, it was really <laughs> stupid. Yeah. Going back to like on the on uh, uh what was Luke's planet called? Uh. I don't care. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> like Canto Buy or some shit. No, that was, I don't know. that was the, a casino porgs, And that's another thing. The Porgs, I love the Porgs. The Porgs were the only redeeming creature that I saw there. And do you know who saved more rebel lives than anyone in that fucking movie? The, the fox. The snow fox thing. The little fox. The little white fox saved more single-handedly, saved more lives than that fucking Admiral Hordor did. Yeah. She's like leading them to a slow death. Well, and, and who actually leads them, you know, to safety is that fucking fox saving yeah. more lives than them. I don't know. I just felt like they should have cut the middle two hours and then did the last 40 minutes. And it's like, okay, here you go. Here's the movie. It's like, a, it's 50 minutes long. And I would have been okay with it. Well, yeah, me too. <laughs> Cause like, uh, you know who Eddie Medina is, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I I listened to him on the Rancor Pit from time to time. Yeah. Okay. So like Eddie Eddie made a Facebook post right around when the Star Wars came out, and he showed a clip of or not a clip, but like a screen capture of Ray in the darkness. He's like, when this happens in the movie, this is the best time to go pee because nothing happens at this part. You're not going to miss anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For me, was, for me, that's the first two hours is is when the best time yeah, to take a piss. I agree with that. It's really hard to like. I I. I We'll not watch this movie again, Chris. I'm telling you that right now. <laughs> but that moment when Ray is in the water, like, I thought we were going to have, remember in Empire, when Luke goes into the tree, you know, Yoda tells him to go in there and he says, yeah. what am I going to, what's in there? And he's like, yeah, you know, crazy you'll come back Yoda. with yourself or whatever he says, you know. I thought we were going to get Ray's trial. If they would have given Ray a trial, I would have taken back my Mary Sue comments. But because she doesn't have a trial, she is a Mary Sue. Nothing bad happens to her. Or, or, you know, bad things happen to her, but she just gets out of it. Like it's, it's so easy for her to get out of a bad situation. Yeah. She has no weight on her soul. No. Just like, yeah. And that, that's what I'm getting at. Like the weight on your soul. Like when Luke entered the tree, he c- was confronted by Darth Vader. And when he cut off Vader's head, it was his own face inside. Meaning that in order to beat Vader, he had to beat himself. Yeah. You know that, what I'm saying? That, that fucked him he had up. To get over himself. Yeah, that fucked him up, and he wasn't ready for Vader. 
Everybody knew right. he wasn't ready for Vader. And what happened? Vader kicked his ass. Yeah. Ray goes into the fucking darkness, which we just learned from Luke uh, less than 30 minutes prior, you know, 15 minutes prior to her going in that the dark place seriously fucked up and it could really screw up. You could really screw you up if you go down there and you don't know what you're doing. Right. He just, yeah. that's basically what he says. She dives in willy nilly. She don't give two fucks. And yeah, nothing head first, happens head her. first, doesn't even look, just plop. And swims too, by the way. This is my favorite thing to point out. Where does she fucking learn how to swim? People <laughs> want to say she's not a Mary Sue, but it's like, well, then how does she know how to swim? Yeah, she grew she up grew- on a fucking desert planet. There's no fucking water planet, there. There's no fucking water there. <laughs> I can understand how she can, she knows how to fight because she grew up on the mean streets. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, where's she going to fucking learn to swim? Yeah. Where'd she learn how to fucking pilot the Millennium Falcon? I wanted to, I wanted to see her doggy paddle. Exactly. Oh, doggy paddle. Instead, she's like straight up Olympic style swimming through the fucking water. <laughs> yeah. Then that's... she gets out of the water, goes up to the mirror, nothing happens. She leaves the dark place, tells Luke that you're coming back with me whether you like it or not. And he's all like, this isn't going to end the way you think it should. Yeah. They have their whole little fight. Yeah, that, that, that should have been the tagline for the whole movie. Yeah, that is the tagline for the whole movie. This isn't going to go the way you think it is. It's worse. And then she best Luke Skywalker like in a sword fight. Just stupid. The whole thing is fucking stupid. Yeah, and I think we should probably just leave Star Wars right there. And we'll probably come back to it in later episodes. But let's go ahead and end it up with, I guess, a special edition of Rape Roundup. And we'll discuss okay. our latest our, our latest inductee into the Rape Roundup uh, Hall of Fame is Stan the Man Lee. Stan the Man Lee is under allegations now from his former nurses that would go to his regular house and he would ask for them to give him hand jobs in the bed and go down on him when he's in the shower. And these are his nurses who, who come to him to take care of him because he's a feeble 80 something, 95 year old no, he's man. Like, yeah, 90 something years old. Yeah, he's, he's about ready to fucking die. So basically, you know, and these young nurses, they, they're like complaining and quitting and saying like, oh, he keeps asking me to give him a hand job. You know, oh, he grabs my ass cheek and stuff like that. And it's like, ah. I mean, yeah, that's that's pretty much wrong. But at the same time, he's an old fucking man. I mean, you tell him no and then you give him his pills and you tuck him into bed and you treat him like any other old man that would be doing that. And I'm pretty sure they have some kind of protocol for that. Some horny old men who start to get dementia and lose their mind and think they can feel up the waitresses <laughs> or, or fill up the nurses and shit. You know, but because he's Stanley, we need to go to the fucking press about this stuff. And right. I, I don't, you know, I mean, yeah, it's wrong. He shouldn't do that. But at the same time, who gives a fuck? What's your take on this? Well, okay, this is news to me. I, I don't really. Uh, this is all new. Like this is. I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, uh, this uh, just uh, dropped like a couple days ago. Yeah, this is this is this is a good Eddie Medina of Rancor Podcast has a really uh, has his personal account of his encounter with Stan Lee that wasn't favorable. I'm not going to give it away, but I need know. to find that episode and listen to it. According to him, he said that it. I don't think it actually got recorded that it was like done during like a live show or something. No, no, he he told the story, but I don't want to give it I away. Need to ask but, him, but yeah, to point me in the right direction because there's so many episodes of the Rancor Pit, Hey Kids Comics, and all that stuff. I think he said it was on Hey Kids Comics. I think so. That yeah. he, that he said it on. I got to go find it and listen to it because I'm curious to know. I don't really give a two fucks about. Stan- okay, let me let me. Re- I I like Stan Lee. Yeah. 
But at the same time, it's like Jack Kirby did a lot of work too. And I feel like Jack Kirby doesn't get enough credit for the stuff that he did. I think Stan Lee takes credit for a lot of things that Stan Lee didn't have anything to fucking do with, like Deadpool. (laughs) I respect Stan Lee's position as the pitch man of comics. When we were 10 years old, he was all that we had. He was the cool embodiment of you can be cool and read comic books. He made comic book reading cool. Yeah. He made superheroes cool. And he will always be the best pitch man for comics in general. And I recognize that. But there's this thing where the more you read comics, the more you love Stan Lee. The more you learn about comics, about the history of comics, the more you hate Stan Lee. Exactly. Um, exactly. there was this, that's what I was getting at. Yeah, there was this, this MTV show, The State, sketch comedy show. And during that. one of the sketch comedy shows, this, this came out like, uh, I want to say early nineties that this came out. And one of the bits was one of the actors had this bit where he would call it, um, karaoke Stan Lee. And he would dress up as Stan Lee and, and he was like playing Stan Lee, you know, doing drunken karaoke and, in between the sets when Stanley would do songs, he would, he would talk about all this heinous shit that he did in the comic book industry. And he, and he was like, wow. oh, I remember back in the day when I was having sex with Jack Kirby's wife. And it's just all these horrible, all of this horrible stuff that Stanley did. And the thing is when, when Stanley, I mean, he has a squeaky clean image. No one can touch him. Well, until now, until he's touching the wa- the nurses. I keep wanting to say waitresses, but nurses. When he <laughs> touches touch some of them too. <laughs> yeah, when he touches them, they're not contractually obligated to suck his dick like everybody else. Right. And the thing is, is when when you work for Marvel Comics, you sign a contract. When you leave, you cannot badmouth Stan Lee, no matter what. That's sort of like the uh, Harvey Weinstein hush money. That's what yeah. that is. It's, is that, you know, you sign this agreement to leave that you're not going to be smirch Marvel Comics or Stan Lee. And Stan Lee, you know, yeah, I, I recognize what he did. It was great for what he did for comics. But as a businessman, the guy's just, he made comics, but he never wanted to be a comic book guy. He wanted to be a Hollywood guy. He wanted to hang out with Hollywood stars and shit like that. And he knew with superheroes, he could take that to Hollywood. At the time during the 80s, it just wasn't the right time to do it. Now is the perfect time, or or the, the 10 years ago was the perfect time to take superhero stuff to Hollywood because now it's all the rage, and now the bubble is starting to burst. But now, and, and I guess in a few years, we'll probably see him, his downfall eventually. I mean, if it's not already, you know, because, you know, one day well, he, I mean, he's going to die. Not, you, well, yeah, I was just about to say that, not yeah. to sound like totally morbid or anything, but yeah. this could this could kill him. Because, like, if, think about it. If this is true, this starts to hang him out to dry, he could definitely die from this. Because I think Joe Paw from Penn State died after after all the Sandusky shit went down and they were tearing down, you know, Joe Paterno statues and all that stuff. He fucking died. <laughs> yeah. You know, the people at Penn State were like, he died of a broken heart. No, I think he died because he felt really fucking guilty uh, because he cared more about football than he cared about little kids. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and with Stan, I mean, I, I don't think it's going to kill him, but he doesn't have much time left anyways. Well, okay. Can you fault the guy? I, okay, I'm not trying to – this yeah, is my I'm not, whole thing. I'm not defending but, uh, him. Yeah, again, not defending him, but, you know, We what had do you an expect? episode that was like talking about all these allegations going around. and show, I don't think we talked about Weinstein. I don't know if that happened yet, but there was uh, there was a guy in there – 
there was a, one of the allegations we were talking about, and I, man, I can't remember who it was now. Like Kevin Spacey got in trouble because he solicited like a teenager for sex, a boy. Yeah. Teenage boy for sex. Yeah, well, I remember we talked about the, that on our show. He thought like the most logical thing to do, which is totally eighties, is to be like, "Well, I'm gay." <laughs> like, like the most eighties thing ever is to be like, "Well, keep your kids away from gay people." You know, <laughs> like, Kevin Spacey's stuck in the fucking eighties or something. He thinks telling people that he's gay is gonna make it okay. But there was somebody that we were fucking, and I can't remember who we were talking about. Where I was like having a hard time like getting behind the idea that it was assault. Okay, so I'm gonna. Take that similar stance with Stan Lee. Like, he's 95 years old. Who knows how much he, of his mind he has left? That and giving the dude a bath or whatever, and he gets a little hard on, and he says, you know, maybe it would be nice if you, uh, you know, rub me down a little bit. Can you really fucking get mad at him for making a joke? <laughs> it's probably just crude fucking jokes. Yeah. You remember um, Bubba Hotep? You ever watch Bubba Hotep with Bruce Campbell? No, but I think I got it in my library. Okay. So there's a scene where uh, Bruce Campbell's character, he thinks he's Elvis. He's in a fucking nursing home. The woman comes in, starts giving him a bath. And if I remember correctly, he gets a boner and he just like looks at her and she looks at him and he's all like, you know, you got to do something about this. And I think she rubs one out for him. <laughs> it's, it's hard for me to get behind some of these assault cases because it's like, yes, it's assault. But at the same time, is it really assault? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, well, there, there's there's degrees of – there's a difference between – on the case-by-case basis, like Louis C.K., yeah, he's a pervert. He pulled his dick out and he masturbated in front of people. That's uh, who it he, was. Yeah, he got, he got their consent, though. He said, can I do this? Exactly. And they said, that's yes. Was- now, maybe they had no idea that he was really going to do that, and I can understand that. But they still gave their consent. You can't say like, oh, that's dubious consent or something like that. He flat out asked you, you said yes, and he did it. Now, with the case of Stan Lee, I, we, we don't know enough of what happened. Their word is he's a perverted old man. And let's admit it. If this was coming from, uh, Hugh Hefner, no one would give a fuck. In fact, Dude. those nurses would probably be hired just to do that. See, I'm so happy you said that because we live in a world today where we'll put down someone like Louis C.K. for jerking off for some reason. He likes to jerk off in front of women, you know, or jerk off while he's on the phone, right? Yeah. But then we'll raise someone like Hugh Hefner up on a pedestal who made a fucking career out of telling women, if you don't get naked in front of me, you're never going to make it in this business, baby. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's known for saying shit like that. I mean, all those women had a choice, though. They did. And you're and absolutely they chose right. They, did. To, they chose to get naked. And you're right. You're absolutely right. But I still find it so fucking odd. Louis C.K. says, hey, you guys want to come to my room for some drinks? And they say, yes. And he says, all right, here's your what – what would you like to drink? You want scotch of the rocks? They say, yes. And he gives them the scotch of the rocks. He says, hey, care if I whip my dick out and masturbate? And they go, uh, I guess so. I don't care. And he does it. And then they leave. And then they come out later and say it was horrible. But you, he, he told you that's what he was going to do. Like, Yeah. And, and I understand that's like joking. Well, I understand yeah. he's a comic. And a lot of shit that he says is probably joking. But at the same time, he told you he was going to do it. Yeah. And there were other, there were other circumstances too, where I think his managers would run up to these women and say, don't you say anything or we're going to ruin your career. I think yeah, that's his, terrible. And that, that, that's, that's, that's not cool. No. But with Stanley, as far as I know, he's not ruining anyone's, unless they worked for Marvel as a writer or an artist, 
he's not ruining their lives. You know, I mean, does that excuse what he did? No. And then, then you just, you just decide not to work with him and maybe find someone who, who is willing to jerk off the old man. Yeah. Cause who knows? I mean, that's how, that's how Anna Nicole Smith got her fortune was she jerked off an old man, a sneak, a senile old man. And I'm pretty sure if some nurses are like, you know, Hey, you know, I'll work for Stanley and all I got to do is just jerk him off. Yeah. I'll jerk him off and maybe he'll give me some fortune. You know, I mean, most fucking wife died. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) most women would see that as a golden opportunity to do some gold digging. Yeah. You know, there are those types out there. A lot of this shit is to me is turning into a witch hunt. Yeah, like that, you, that. you said it earlier with Rose. Like if, 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 if the position was flipped between Finn and Rose and Finn was like, well, the only way we're going to win this war is if we, uh, force ourselves on people we love and gave her a kiss, then everybody would be freaking out about that. Right. <laughs> yeah. But a lot of this to me seems like a witch hunt because it's just anything. So like, for, for instance, like to go back with what I was saying about Finn and Rose, like if Finn kissed her, then it, she would be like, oh, he assaulted me. It's almost like you can't, right now in this culture that we live in, you cannot do anything. Keep your eyes forward. Do not look at any women because there's a chance that you're assaulting them. Chris, did you know that reverse rape is a thing in California? Do you know what this is? <laughs> I've heard of it. <laughs> okay. For those that don't know, reverse rape is the idea or the notion that if a woman was to make an advance towards me and I said, no, thank you, I have reverse raped her. <laughs> Well, the detail that I think you're leaving out is these women are usually horrendous. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I guess I left that part out that these women are, aren't very attractive. And because they're not attractive and they come to me and I say, no, I'm good. No, thank you. Now they are offended that I turned down their opportunity for sex. So therefore, they've been reverse raped. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I, I can only see that happening in California and with like it's the big old California. lefties. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, just, just to conclude with the Stanley thing, I mean, uh, they're allegations yeah. for one. I'm not yeah. going to join the witch hunt and say, oh yeah, blah, 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 because I don't, Trump still has allegations against him. It doesn't make it, it doesn't mean that he didn't do it. It doesn't mean that he did do it though either. Yeah. They're but, fucking allegations. Yeah, and it's all going to come down to, well, what can you prove? But like, like you said earlier, this is a witch hunt. So proving it doesn't matter. Evidence yeah. doesn't matter. It's, no, you're you know, guilty it's, it's until believe, you're innocent. believe the women, you know, we feel we were hurt. So we have a score to settle. And with all this, you know, we need empowerment and we need the wage gap and all this stuff. And yeah, it's just, just which, and in the Me Too movement, it's starting to lose ground. It's starting to fizzle out. And well, I feel the, sorry for the women that actually have had terrible things happen to them because yeah, and that's, that's at, one on of one the note, things you've is, got a woman who says like, "Oh man, I was assaulted in Central Park. It was terrible, and I didn't know, I didn't even know if I was going to survive the night." And then you got a woman just on the other side of the fucking aisle who's like, "I was at a bar, and a guy would leave me alone. Me too." I mean, that's that's what it's the movement the same, does. Bitch. It's undermining <laughs> real victims. Yeah. Yeah. I think me and Rob, or Rob said this uh, about how in, in a previous podcast, how this undermines real victims. This undermines yes. victims of real assault. And, you know, you're basically taking something that is a, a party favor or whatever, and, and you're turning it into a, trying to make sure that it's on the same, on the same grounds as someone who was actually sexually violated. And it's like, no, those aren't the, those aren't the same things. There are, there are degrees of separation there. It's just a clusterfuck all around. Yeah. So as far as with Stanley hey, goes, I mean, it's an entertaining story. 
it's fine to see him in it, but until someone actually comes, it's probably like documented and stuff. He's, he's at the fucking end of his life. Even if they file charges against him, he's not going to live to see the day in court. Well, what sucks is I was reading it and they're not filing charges. They're actually suing the guy, which I I don't know. A a lot of this shit pisses me off too, because it boils down to like trying to get money. And I don't feel like getting money is serving justice to somebody like yeah okay obviously you should probably get paid some kind of compensation but i hate how like the automatic thing is oh i was assaulted i want money that's well, like prostitution yeah well they, well they're they're only suing stan lee yeah i mean if anyone else did this to them they just say well fuck you and they just exactly. won't go in there anymore because exactly. they gain nothing from carrying it out but because he's Stanley, there's something there to gain by suing him. That's what leads me to believe that's not necessarily true either. Like maybe it happened one time, or, or, or like think about it like this: he might not even he might have just gotten a boner from getting a bath. You get boners all the time. Guys get boners from the fucking wind blowing up our shorts. Like it doesn't matter. I'm sure a nurse just saw his hard dick and was like, "Oh God." <laughs> And she's like, oh, I see an opportunity to make money here. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, And it wasn't by jerking his dick. Yeah. It was by complaining about it. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he's a terrible person. Whether he's a terrible person or not, it is what it is. These allegations, the lawsuits and all this stuff, it's going to be on them to prove them. Maybe they can prove them. Maybe they, after he's dead, they'll most likely get a settlement uh, from his estate after he's dead. Yeah. Yeah, which is unfortunate. Yeah, so I guess gold diggers digging gold. You know, they, yeah. they, they hit the, they hit the gold vein, you know, so to speak. Yeah. I can't remember, uh, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, I, I, and, I, uh, I, rem- I wonder if, if, if he said Excelsior when he was jizzing. Was like, <laughs> Jerk Excelsior. me off! Excelsior! Yeah, I remember people um, joking about that. <laughs> in the movie Mallrats, when Brody asked Stan Lee if, if Hulk has a big old green dick, I can't remember exactly what, what Stanley's answers were to all that, but. <laughs> <laughs> it's just weird that he's he's under all these allegations now and he was in a fucking Kevin Smith movie which is all about like especially ball rats which involves like a fucking teenage girl basically being assaulted <laughs> yeah and this is the guy who made Stripperella that's true he did it's funny but right now we're gonna have to see how it all plays out and I things don't look good for him but then again you know 95, what does he give a fuck? Yeah. Digging into history, Stan Lee's been a shitty person his whole life. So if yeah. he's saying these things, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, just someone just found a way to cash in on it because that's the craze now. Thank you to me too. Yeah. It's hard for me to pick a side to be on. Assault is fucking bad. Yeah, I, everyone's against right assault our no matter what. Yeah. That Chris and I did. Assault is fucking bad. It can't be black and white. There has to be gray when it comes to this shit. I'm sorry. There has to be. There is a fucking gray area when it comes to this stuff. Yeah, there, there's a I'm part sorry. where, where you know, there is. where, where it's non-verbally communicated, where people give a little bit of, of extra affection and they get something for it. And yeah. they get a little bonus for it. And that's, and it's not a thing where you have, you don't have to cry rape every time. Yeah, or cry assault yeah. or something. I'm trying to assault you. I'm just trying to. <laughs> women are attractive. What the fuck you want me to say? <laughs> you know. Like, <laughs> I don't want to say. Look, well, what what do you expect? It's like not everything is sexual harassment. It seems like the only judge of sexual harassment is ugly women who have been who feel like they've been wrong. Uh, you never hear about 
Tell me about all the people that Brad Pitt raped. Uh, tell me about all the people that George Clooney raped. Yeah. You never hear about this from men about, uh, okay, a girl got a bit too grabby with me. Well, we don't care about that stuff. It doesn't bother us. No. I can understand where something like that could bother a woman, but you know, to make a big deal about it, it's a bit overkill where it's like, okay, this guy grabbed me. I'm going to ruin his life. You know, I'm going to put his children in poverty because he touched my boob. And yeah. there's just degrees of punishment needs to fit the crime. And I think that with the Me Too movement, it's getting into a bit of overkill. And we don't need that overkill. And, and we've, and I think this is just a fallout from our internet society where everything, everything is a witch hunt now. Everything is something terrible. Everything is, we need, we have this mentality now through social media that if you don't get super upset about something, you don't care. And if you don't care, you're part of the problem. No one wants to look like they're for sexual assault. No one wants to look like they're racist. So as a, as a defense mechanism, an effort, in an effort to keep from being trampled on, they have to join the witch hunt. They have to take up the pitchfork and the torch. Cause if they don't, then they'll be next. And in some cases, it doesn't even matter because uh, I think it was the latest case now that is hitting is the Aziz Azari guy, stand-up comedian, master of none. He won a Golden Globe like last week, and he had a right. Time's Up pen, which was the latest reiteration of Me Too. And then he has sexual allegations against him, and they're extremely flimsy. They're extremely flimsy. But, you know, I don't want to get into that right now. But still, even he was like on the side of like, hey, I'm on your side. And he got traveled over. Same thing with James yeah. Franco. He was on their side. He won an award. And then he gets trampled over, too. So even being on their fucking side isn't enough. If you're a man, you have a target on your back. If you're exactly. successful, it's only a matter of time. But luckily, you, you and me. Season. Sorry, I'm looking yeah. it up right yeah, well, the thing is, you and me, we're not successful enough that, that no one gains anything going out if we grabbed them. We'd probably just get a slap in the face, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, so I guess uh, any final thoughts, Caleb? No, man, we got to do this again, sure. <laughs> you got to be on our show. I'll I'll try to figure out when I can when I can come in, but yeah, I would definitely would like to get on your guys' show. That would be a definite treat. Man, and thank you so much man, for I, coming on of mine. This was great. Oh, dude, I, I had a fucking blast. And what I'm saying is we got to do this again because there's tons of shit that we still got to talk about. I got to talk about <laughs> being an artist and working conventions and, you know, all that stuff. So yeah, we'll, we'll definitely, we'll definitely do a follow up. Um, but thanks again and thank you for coming out. No we'll problem, catch man. you later, kids. To email the show, write to Conspire a theory, all one word, conspire a theory at outlook.com. Music provided by Killer. Find her at soundcloud.com backslash Kira Kura. If you want to find me around the internet and maybe commission me for some artwork, a few good places to find me would be at DeviantArt. You could find me there at chrisholm.deviantart.com. That's Chris, C H R I S H O L M. Dot deviantart.com. I can also be found on Tumblr at psychris.tumblr.com. That's P S Y dash C H R I S dot Tumblr, T U M B L R dot com. I can also be found on Fur Affinity. You can find me on furaffinity.net slash user slash 
Psychris, P-S-Y-C-H-R-I-S, backslash. If you'd like to connect with me on Facebook, I'm available at Facebook backslash Chris Home Comics. You can also find me on Twitter, at PsychoChris. Be sure to find me, check out some of my art, and if you'd like, tell me some of your stories.